Ladies and gentlemen, guess what? It's the Conference USA Report podcast. Now, why am I doing this with the mic and stuff? It's because I'm recording a podcast, right? And this is the mic I use. So, um, and also why it's going to be weird. I'm not going to be looking at you right here in the camera, but this is the video. I figured I'd record it, post it to YouTube, do two things, folks. Um, so, yeah, today was the uh, day two of the Conference USA Media Days on Zoom. You know, brought to you by Zoom, I guess. Uh, it was also on ESPN2. Uh, they still had the, the interviews with, um, what's his face? I forget his name now. But, you know, basically the guy that's been interviewing for everybody. The normal Conference USA Media Days kind of thing. Uh, they usually have, like, their, their premier broadcast partner, and that's basically ESPN Plus right now. And then, you know... Everybody else, the print media. Typically, it's held, um, you know, kind of like in a hotel room. I think my first year doing it uh, a few years ago was in a hotel uh, somewhere in like Irving or something like that. Uh, last couple of years, it's been held in Frisco at the, uh, the what is it called? The uh, Baylor Scott and White Center. Um, cool. Good times. Um, there, you know, everybody, a lot of people complain. Uh, I think even Will Hilly just kind of, kind of mentioned it. It's not as fun. Uh, you don't get to fly out. Uh, kind of be there, be in person, get to meet people. Uh, I think for for the media folks, it's definitely not as cool because y you get to, you know, kind of stand with somebody and kind of. It's not as formal. You're not giving this press conference, which can be a little, a little. What's the word? Uh, st uh, stilted, you know, it's, uh, you know, you have that 20 minute time, there's a moderator, it's calling on you, and so, it's like, hey, uh, so-and-so, what is, what, you know, ask your question, you're like, hey, go troll, you know, just blah, 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 it, when you have, like, the scrum sessions, kind of, uh, in, in the way that they do it at the, it normally, I guess, when, you know, things are open, it's, you can sit at a table with them, and you can kind of just talk, it does, it doesn't have to be so rapid fire and, and chasing people around. Now, there are every year there's a popular coach. Uh, past couple seasons, that was like Lane Kiffin, you know. There's this gigantic scrum around him. I know one year I didn't get to actually interview him because there were just so many people. Uh, you know, ESPN was there, and, and I forget who it was, but that guy was just kind of, he was uh, hogging up the uh, the time, you know. But, uh, you know, there's always a coach that's not as, as uh, popular, and y you can get over there, have a conversation with them, and it's a lot cooler, right? You get to just basically talk, and that's when you get the best answers, right? I, it's not scripted. It's not those things that they are prepared and ready to, to give, and they, they don't hit their talking points as easily. Once, once you let them get their talking points out, it's a lot easier to just talk about other things, right? You can lead into some other questions. You can probe a little bit. Uh, even when you're with other media members and they're talking, they ask a nice question, you can kind of follow up with them. Like, hey, so you said this a few times. What do you mean by that? Or can you expand on that? Or, you know, and it's, um, especially when nobody's like recording them, like with a camera all in their face like that, it's a lot easier to, to have a conversation. You get some real insights into, the in, into these people. So, um, obviously, didn't get to do that, right? Um, it was a, a press conference kind of thing. If you've watched any press conference in the last year and a half or so, um, you get you know what it is. You know how it works. It's a Zoom call, basically. Uh, you know, and it was what it was. I, I'm not going to complain about it. So let's get into it. We'll do it the way that Conference USA did it. We'll try to keep it short. I don't want to be here for longer than 
an hour for lots of reasons. I'm going to have to break this video up just because nobody's going to watch an hour-long video. Um, so I'll kind of cut it up into manageable portions, basically. Uh, but for you on the podcast, we'll, you'll just be listening to us talk, talk through it. So first up, um, uh, I'm just going to go with a rough, not really my rankings, but I think not even the media's rankings, uh, which I think are kind of silly. I didn't get to vote on those. I was wondering about that. I was like, hey, when did that ballot go out, man? Anyway, um, we'll start with Marshall. We'll go down to Old Dominion. I think it's roughly the the uh, the order that everybody's kind of cool with. There may be just like a swap, right? I don't know, maybe Phil Steele's like, nah, let's put Western Kentucky higher or something, you know, whatever. Uh, we're going to go Marshall, Florida Atlantic, Western Kentucky, Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, uh, FIU, and then Old Dominion. And then in the West, we'll do UAB, UTSA, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, North Texas, Rice, and Utah. That's roughly, you know, order of finish for, for everybody, what everybody thinks it's going to be. Uh, and we'll just talk about it. Uh, I'm not going to really preview the entire season. I'll give a few thoughts on where I think these teams are. We'll get into a, uh, some of that preview a little bit later as we get closer to the actual season. We learned some more from fall camp. Injuries, late, you know, um, additions or subtra subtractions or what have you. Uh, we'll know more, right? Uh, right now, it's just, you know, t it's talking season, so we'll talk about it. We talked to these coaches, you know, they gave their impressions of things, and we'll, we'll kind of do the same. So, let's start. Marshall. Uh, you got a new coach, right? Charles Huff. He's the new guy. Uh, it's a it's a weird situation. You know, I'm just grabbing my notes. I'm reaching over. I'm like, what is that guy doing? I'm reaching over for my notes from uh, today's... Uh, press conference. What am I looking at here? Oh, sorry. I just realized that I, I told myself. I was I was taking some notes on who's going to finish where. Um, I just, by the way, I'll just say it right now. Rough estimate. I got Marshall like 5 and 7. I, I'm, not, I'm not even talking mess. I just don't know about him. Um, so, Charles Huff. He has a new offense. A lot of the same guys. Um, just top level you like that they're bringing back so much talent so many guys that were part of a team that played in the conference championship game however um you know was it seven and three four and one in conference usa they had a lot of wins but then you look at those teams and you're not super impressed except for maybe appalachian state right it was an impressive win that was at home 17-7 right um you know that's that's sort of when when grant wells uh, made a name for himself, right? You're like, look, this dude, yeah, he threw for a lot of touch, a lot of yards. You know, it was impressive against Eastern Kentucky, but, I mean, who really is impressed by Eastern Kentucky? Uh, it was when they played Appalachian State, a ranked team at the time. And we're like, okay, maybe the squad is to be reckoned with, right? Um, you know, they beat Louisiana Tech, a team that had a lot of troubles, um, you know, had a lot of uh, uh, issues with their with their roster, uh, I was, I was going to say defections, but it's people just sat out. Um, and then, you know, they beat FAU, another contender in the East, but also a team that, that had, you know, basically what, what, um, what Marshall's going through this year, right? It's a team that had won, had a new coach, stepping into a winning situation and trying to, uh, put his imprint upon it, but also, um, you know, not mess up what was good about it, right? So, 
uh, I'm looking at Marshall and I'm looking at FAU and I'm saying there's a lot of similar similarities there. Uh, Marshall did a lot of good things. They have a really good defense. Uh, so they, they replaced their defensive coordinator, right? Uh, is it Charles Huff, uh, uh, Cramsey, uh, I believe. I'm looking at my notes. And then Guidry as their defensive coordinator. So one thing about Charles Huff, he, I mean, he says all the right things, right? Uh, he kind of has this, like, yeah, we're just going to, you know, you mentioned rat poison. Uh, everybody's working hard, is what he says. This, this was a theme among the entire conference. Everybody was working hard. Everybody liked their spring. Everybody liked their summer. Everybody liked their workouts. Everybody loves the strength coach. Everybody feels like everybody's getting strong, fast, big, uh, and they like the way the team's coming together. So not a whole lot different there. Not so much surprising in those departments. This is what everybody says, right? Um, you know, another thing that stood out, now I won't repeat this for everybody, just because it stood out for everybody. Everybody said, like, almost the exact same thing. And I, I wonder, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to follow up on this, if they actually had a meeting and said, like, I'm not going to reveal any vaccination numbers. Because everybody was asked, what are the vaccination numbers, uh, you know, for your team? And everybody gave some sort of this answer as follows. Uh, we like where we are. Um, it's improving. And what the most important thing is to educate our players. It's to let them know that we have answers for them. Um, you know, and we're going to point them in the right direction to experts and then the consequences that would happen if they don't, right, to the team, to themselves, whatever. And then if they do, the consequences to the team, to whatever. whatever. But we like where it's going, um, but, you know, we're not going to give out any numbers. It's a personal decision. We just want everybody to be educated. That's That's basically what they said. Um, so, uh, again, a theme, uh, Charles Huff said, look, we got a good, we got good players, uh, we're not, not taking the rat poison, right, he's stealing the, the, his old, his old boss's, uh, you know, famous line, uh, Nick Saban's, right, he learned a lot from Alabama is to, you know, not to, not to let expectations determine how you feel about your program, you still gotta work for it, uh, you know, he went 7-0, but that doesn't carry over, you know, nobody's gonna lay down for you. Um, you have the experiences and you learn from that, but that's not going to carry over. You're 0 and 0 on a season. That's that's where it starts. So, for my money, that's a good perspective, right? But you know, this is talking season, and talking also don't get you doesn't get you much. I like I like that they have a returning starting quarterback. I think Grant Wells is going to take a little bit of a leap. I am concerned that he had a lot of tunnel vision against uh, against Rice and against UAB. Uh, Rice is a improving defense, and UAB is a very good defense, right? So you look at those two performances; that's just about the top of the uh, of the conference in terms of ability, right? You maybe throw in like Western Kentucky in there, um, you know, and they they beat Western Kentucky thirty-eight fourteen. So, who are the contenders? Who are they going to compete with? Yeah, it's pretty much the same the the usual cast of characters. I don't really think FIU has what it takes. Um, you know, it's going to be FAU. I think that's the if I, you know if I'm looking at, it, I think FAU probably wins this division. I I, th I think there's just a lot to like there. Defense is good. Offense is explosive. Uh, you know, kind of getting everybody together. They're just like ready to play. I think Marshall benefited a ton from having experienced guys. Um, an experienced coach, somebody just like there was a lot of continuity leading into last season, so they were best prepared to deal with a weird 2020. Uh, FAU, I thought they did okay in their uh, in that season, but 
you know, I get adding a Willie Taggart when, you know, not everybody was ready to kind of it, it, you it's hard to embrace change, right? Right when um, you know, right when everything is kind of going to to hell, I guess. It's a it's a funny way to put it. But where did I'm trying to look for where FAU finished 4 and 2, that's what I was going to say. 4 and 2 in the conference. They were right there. They're right there and they they did lose to Marshall. Uh, you know, heads up, so Whatever I, I I think I'm I'm looking for Marshall to take a step back, but I, I'm probably gonna be wrong. Like I said this is my preliminary um, what's the word preliminary just kind of uh, guesstimate we'll say. So speaking of FAU, I, I, I guess let me just let me just finish this up. Marshall had a, one of the best defenses in the league for a number of years. That's a team that you could always rely on to be stout, uh, even in those FAU years with Lane Kiffin. I think Marshall gave them the hardest um, games, right? They 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 played with them, they they handled them a little bit. I wonder how much that changes. Uh, I know I think this new guy uh, was it Gidry? He's supposed to bring a lot of pressure, and you know be a little bit more aggressive and just kind of take it to them. That's all well and good, but that also you know invites mistakes, that kind of thing. And now we'll we'll see. I, I like Huff. I like what he has to say. I just wonder if a lot of changes going in, and there were some transfers, just a lot of new stuff happening there. So we can't look at Marshall and say, well, it's going to be the same old Marshall, and they were good last year, therefore they'll be good this season. I think it's a lot of, like, they were good last year. Now there's some changes. They mixed it all up. We're going to run into some issues, right? I mean, Huff's a first-time head guy. There's just a lot to learn. But he's in a great situation, right? So can't complain. All right. Let me take a sip of this wine. Now let's uh, let's talk about Florida Atlantic. Again, not not too much. I'm really taggered in this one. Um, he was a little reserved on this call, and uh, it was I think maybe it was kind of later in the day too. That might be the thing. Just me again looking at the schedule. I think they get eight wins. Just scanning it. I think they lose to Florida. Uh, I think it was at Georgia Southern, right? They lose there, but I think they beat Air Force. I think they beat FIU. Probably lose on the road to UAB in a big game, but it's cross division. Um, you know, I just see a lot of wins. I, I even have them losing to Marshall, but I think I think they can go eight and four in this in this season. Um, and that's not including the the possible conference championship appearance. Um, they have some transfers in. Um, I like what they have. It's pretty much their whole defense was like ten out of eleven guys are returning. Um, they were really good defensively. I, I like what they're bringing. Um, offensively, uh, you know, I, that's where they struggle. And the idea is to bring in, it's basically everybody doing the same thing, right? Let's bring in a transfer. They're going to change, you know, our fortunes. And, you know, that's, that's going to be the deal. Uh, what is it? Michael Johnson Jr. And I think they have another guy, and I can't remember his name, and I wrote it down somewhere. But... You know, what is it, 13th in scoring in the conference, 12th in passing, 10th overall. They were good running the ball. They were solid, very solid defensively. And I think that goes a long way. That's I mean, that's why they were in, in it late in the season. That's why they had a chance. But their offense was why they they also didn't, you know, um, really compete, really get, uh, you know, as it seriously compete for the conference title, right? They're in there. They're competitive. If you look at the numbers, but I, I don't think anybody was looking at Florida Atlantic saying, "Yes, this team is the best in the East." Um, 
So I like them. I, I like them a lot. I think they're like the sort of an opposite. Them in Western Kentucky, sort of an opposite of like North Texas, where they're just so unbalanced, right? One side of the ball is very good, other side of the ball not so good. Now defensively, some of your numbers, especially these like um, like total numbers, like yards per game, they're I mean, well, those are rates, but they're not like per play rates. I think some of those are are um, skewed, especially if your offense is terrible, right? Then uh, you know you you don't get a whole lot of snaps, and you're just like, well, and the other team's like, well, I'm just gonna run the ball. We don't have to do anything here. Um, what am I trying to say? That was that was confusing, I admit. Basically, what I'm saying is that if your offense is terrible and you're not having a whole lot of plays out there, uh, you know, then your defense can look a little bit better than it maybe is, right? Maybe you're giving up short fields and like so, um, they didn't have to drive very far um, to to score, especially throwing turn uh, throwing interceptions, turning the ball over. But I like Florida Atlantic a lot. A lot of talent. There's always talent in Florida. Um, one thing that Lane Kiffin did was just get a very talented team that everybody agreed was talented and then, you know, have them execute, make them do amazing things. Lane Kiffin was known for his game plan and that kind of stuff. Willie Taggart has been known for recruiting and is like, uh, was it Gulf, Gulf Coast offense kind of deal? Um, you know, he's a good offensive mind. He hasn't really shown that in his stops in Oregon and, uh, even at Florida State. But I think this is more his speed. I mean, when he was at Western Kentucky, they were, you know, offensively, uh, you know, powerful. Not as powerful as, like, some later coaches. But, you know, known for his offensive mind. I expect to see some of that happening here. Um, you know, they got, uh, what, Michael Johnson Sr. being the thing. It was one of those kind of nepotism kind of things. Like, yeah, your dad, he'll be the offensive coordinator. And the son, sure, yeah, we'll take it. Or vice versa. Long story short. I like FAU. They are uh, they're talented. Said that already, and they're good defensively. I think it's it's not really. Is it a sexy pick? No, it's not. Florida Atlantic again. Uh, Florida Atlantic, who they got? You know, you're kind of thinking about well, who's the face of that squad. Um, but they're good. I like them. I like where they're going. I think Willie Taggart's going to have a great season this year. He said, kind of going in, he's like, I, I feel like I understand this team now. Something he didn't before. All right, third and after talking to Tyler Hens, uh, Helton, I want to call him Henson all the time. After talking to Tyler Helton, Tyson Helton, jeez, um, I, I don't know. I came away a little bit more convinced of West Kentucky when I first interviewed him. Right uh, in his first season, he was saying was it was because it's two years now at the school, right? A couple years ago. Uh, he was saying, look, honestly, we're not that talented, but can I go to my players and be like, look, y'all, y'all not so great, and I have low expectations for y'all. No, I can't, so I'm not going to coach that way. And, you know, I think he's he kind of acknowledged that. They got a lot of transfers in this season. He did. He has done a great job in the two seasons there. The previous head coach, you know, he may have had some great offensive ideas, but uh, they didn't really translate the – they couldn't protect the quarterback, and they couldn't run the ball. I think what um, uh, Helton has done is been able to run the ball, sort of, right? I mean, you know, look at last year. They were 11th in the conference. Not very good, but they tried to. I think what's been most amazing is how great they've been defensively. They're just really stout. Uh, I think they were like fifth in the conference, but a lot of that was just because they were trying to score because their offense really couldn't. Um, 
and uh you know like uh you just kind of feel the press and they're on the field a lot um so what do they do i think this is just the most excellent decision uh you know like of all the assistant hires this is you know the game changer i think in my mind uh helton went out and got zach kitley from houston baptist and he said you know he has a lot of Texas ties, you know, he's like, he's a coach at Houston, you know, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Um, and he knew what he was doing at Houston Baptist, and um, if you don't know, that Houston Baptist team like put up like five, 600 yards on North Texas to open the season, and then another 500 yards on Texas Tech, and the next game, uh, and then a bunch of yards in their last two games, right? They only played like four. So that quarterback, who was balling out, transferred with his offensive coordinator, and, you know, Helton said it was all kind of organic, right? He just got the, the coach, and then, you know, it just so happened this guy came over. But Bailey Zappi, uh, senior, you know, he, he transferred over. Also did uh, did Josh Stearns and his brother Jareth Stearns, two guys that caught a lot of passes from Zappi at Houston Baptist. And, um, I mean, they threw the ball all over the place, and that was kind of the only option for that squad. They were just like, look, we're just going to chuck it. We're just going to keep going. Um Helton said, we're going to marry some of those concepts, right? Uh, you know, he, he likes Kitley saying, hey, look, we can throw it all day. We throw for 600 yards or we can run it every down. But, you know, we, we're going to attack the defense with this kind of philosophy. And he said they, they married those two. Uh, Helton likes the run game that they had and some of the run schemes and some of the protections. Um, so he said he's going to be involved in those things. But along with the, the calls and, and, you know, like the scheme that, that Kitley's bringing. And Kittley's going to call the, the plays. Uh, Helton said, yeah, I, I, I'm used to calling a lot of plays, used to kind of doing these things. I'm taking a step back, putting on a different hat. You know, that's the that's the role of a head coach. Uh, hold on. I'm just getting a text message from my kid. Um, so I like, uh, I like that. They've had such a good defense, and I felt like, man, if they could only just complete a pass sometimes, right? Uh, Pigroom. Uh, he didn't. He didn't do so great. I don't think he he made the the offense be what they wanted him. Uh, made the offense be what they expected him to make the change to be right. Um, and I don't think it was, was he misused. I don't know. But you know, I, I I can't. I didn't watch enough Western Kentucky games that closely to say yes, it was this or this other thing. Um, but the information I get is that it doesn't matter. These guys, uh, uh, Zappi has taken full command of the offense. They're going to be exciting. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to be dangerous. A little bit of that West Kentucky of old, right, the championship season, was that 14, 15. Um, and, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at Western Kentucky's schedule. Again, sketching it out. I could see 8-4, and four, and really depending on how well they mesh, um, you know, that offense with the defense and just, you know, because maybe they're, maybe they're getting a lot of plays, maybe they're scoring more often, and so the defense is going to be on the field more often, and they're a little bit tired, they're going to give them more points, right, like I was saying earlier. Maybe something like that happens, I don't know. I still think that they're going to have the firepower to make up some deficits uh, that they maybe didn't, you know, maybe they otherwise didn't. I mean, you look last year, right, that Louisville game, they lose by two touchdowns uh, in a down season for Louisville, right? You know that that's one where maybe you feel like, man, if we just had a little bit more firepower, maybe that maybe we win that game. Um, 
You lose by a touchdown to Liberty. Uh, you barely squeak by Middle Tennessee, which, I don't know, basically didn't have an offense at some point in time. Um, you know, a lot of those things could change, could have changed. I mean, also that Florida Atlantic game was at 6-10. to 10. Come on, right? So, yes, FAU had a good defense, but West Kentucky had almost no offense at that point, right? I like West Kentucky a ton. Uh, I like what Helton was saying. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a little bit different from him because he's not calling the plays. I wonder if I could foresee a situation where they're maybe struggling, and he's like, all right, I'm going to call the plays again. Um, but it seems like he's going to delegate a little bit more, kind of get involved in certain areas uh, uh, less, and just kind of be an overall kind of guy. That's a strategy that, that some guys have taken and had a lot of success in. Um, it's also one that they regretted, right? Um, it, it really depends. Um, but I think you look at the rankings, right, 11, 12, 12, 11, uh, in, the, in the hundreds nationally and all the uh, all the offensive categories. It's kind of hard to say, yeah, no, 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 I'm going to keep doing calling the plays. Uh, yeah, that's maybe maybe not the best plan. All right, what am I looking at? I'm going to bookmark this page. So I have my notes here, but I keep flipping back and forth, and so then I have to go find it. It's really not very efficient, guys. All right. Let's talk about Charlotte. And uh, maybe let's talk about Will Healy, who was my favorite interview. I tweeted this out, right? Like I ranked it. Like I just, you know, he's fun to talk to in, in person and even on a Zoom call, which can be kind of lame. Um, he's a kind of – he basically breaks down to this, right? You ask a question, and uh, – Either a coach will give you a non-answer, like a talking point answer, which is, you know, all right, I don't think I expected that one. Or they'll give you a smart, thoughtful answer, which has some cliches, has some talking points in it, but is, you know, communicated in a way that suggests, like, hey, this person's smart, and they're really thinking about this stuff and not just repeating cliches. And that that latter category is where um, it's where our guy Will Healy falls. Um, you know, he... He said basically uh, he felt personally responsible for the outcome of last season. What they do, two and four in the conference. Um, you know, he felt like it was not a good student athlete experience. You know, going two and four and then having nine games canceled. He, he was kind of wondering, hey, should I have uh, it communicated to them the way I did? Should I have prepared them the way I did for the games? Did I not give them enough football preparation, or was uh, were their minds on? on like the pandemic too much right should i have reduced that or like should it have been more pandemic talk and less football talk so that way they could play a little bit more informed in the games or not thinking whatever it is he just he said he's thinking about those kinds of things and, and reevaluating that uh i already mentioned what he said about the vaccination stuff a lot of that just i don't know right out of their group playbook or something like uh, wanted to be educated want don't want to force anybody to do anything and if they're going to do anything he wants it to be for the right reasons, good or bad, right? Basically, having thought about it. Um, but, yeah, I I think he's looking at the Duke game, uh, some of these other opportunity games, those kinds of things, uh, for what they are. And this is something that if you followed Conference USA Report, right, it's a USA Report, um, over the years, it's something I tweeted about. Like, whoever's good, I feel like if you want the league to be better, um, bowl games don't really mean so much, and you know, Conference USA had a terrible bowl season, but nobody really cares about that. I think my theory is that the games that people really care about are early in the season. Those early non-conference ones are the ones that stick out to everybody. Uh, and I always bring this up, like, um, what's his face? The guy that just now got fired from Texas. 
when he coached Houston, they beat you know Oklahoma in Houston, and everybody was like, oh, on the strength of that, that was basically getting Houston talk about, oh, maybe they can join a Big Twelve, or um, you know maybe this guy can go coach at a Power Five squad. No, but everybody forgets that he finished that season very poorly, right? Houston lost to like BYU. They didn't have a great season, but they beat Oklahoma. That's what everybody remembers. Um, you know, if you look at say recent years, like a lot of people remember that Seth Luttrell beat Arkansas, uh, and not so much that they got blown the f out in all their bowl games, right? Uh, bowl games. <laughs> this is, I feel like this is another talking point. Uh, somebody mentioned like, yeah, we we're talking about this. All the coaches together about the bowl games. Um, that it's obviously something they want to win, but it's not really something that I think moves the needle too much, right? Um, yeah, Conference USA had, like, the best bowl record, um, you know, for, like, three of the four years. I forget. They, they were kind of parading around that trophy. But in truth, I don't know that too many people care about who won the most bowl games. Uh, what they care about is getting big wins in the regular season. So why do I say all that? Because... Will Healy mentioned that. He said, it's one thing to get a Duke in, you know, on the schedule. It's another to get blown out by him. And then, yeah, it's great they're coming into town, but we got to do our part. And he talked about having expectations. Like, yeah, it's all good, but you can't really set expectations until you've done it. So, I- in that way, look for them, uh, you know, Charlotte, to be more competitive. Uh, they got a few transfers in. I forget the number. I didn't seem to write it down on my notepad here. I'm holding it up to my notepad. Um, but uh, they got a few, a bunch of transfers in. Uh, it was like a guy from Notre Dame. Uh, I'm kind of looking here and there. Uh, a guy from Kansas State. They want to shore up that defense. Uh, they were not so great there. Um, I mean, he's looking at Chris Reynolds to be the leader uh, again. Uh, he he got a lot of praise for uh, for James Foster for coming in and you know basically becoming part of a team. You know, like. It, he mentioned that it's real easy to be a four-star, come in and be like, well, I didn't win the job, all right, I'm gone. Um, but he came in as a real big part of the team. And, uh, um, you know, he he has he said we bring in guys to kind of push Reynolds and to like basically take his job, but Reynolds is kind of winning again. That he's, you know, a lot of praise for him. And, um, yeah, I, 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 like, I, I like Will Healy. I think they're moving in the right direction, um, you know, my guess is about six and six, and I was kind of comparing notes with some other major magazines and stuff. I think it's roughly where everybody has them. You know, I'm looking at like, you know, you lose to Duke, easy win against Gardner Webb, probably, uh, probably lose to Georgia Southern, but that's one of the, or Georgia State. I'm sorry, that's one of those games you can kind of flip, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, oh yeah, cool. Like the Sun Belt's a good, good, you know, um, good league right now. You get a win over there. You can't just say any of those games. You can take them for granted. Uh, definitely an easy win is not uh, not what you say about the Sun Belt anymore. Um, but, yeah, I think he beat Middle Tennessee, probably lose to Illinois at Illinois. But, I mean, like those mid-tier P5 squads, right, like your, I'll say like Arkansas, right, Arkansas, uh, you know, Illinois, sometimes Iowa, sometimes in there, right, like a Rutgers definitely, like a Washington State. Those programs are like the beta one. They, they they get ranked every like four years, right? When they have like a stacked roster, a bunch of seniors, that kind of thing. But for the most part, they're very beatable. Like they're not so far from the top of the conference USA, top of any G five school really. 
So if you time that right, you can get a couple of name wins, big wins, right, to, to sell to your donors. Like, well, we whooped up on MP5s right there. Um, and, I mean, I'm trying to remember what I thought about Illinois this season. That's a win. That's, that's one of those you say, like, here's an opportunity right here. Like, this is a game that could build a program. People will remember that. Remember we went to Illinois, to Champaign, one over there. Look at us, Charlotte. Uh, buy some season tickets. Donate some money. Get your name on a wall or something. Um, that's basically it. A tough schedule. Right? There, it, it gets tough there. You got Florida Atlantic at home. I felt like that was a pivotal game in the last two seasons, right? Two, three seasons. However long it's been there. Two, right? Two? Two seasons. Um, that one with Lane Kiffin there and the one last year, it felt like they, they were just uh, – they lost 17-21. Those are just games they, they could have won against good teams, and and I felt like that kind of stole their confidence, especially two seasons ago. Um, so that's a big game. And depending on how they feel about it, they're like, man, we lost to them again, this time at home. Uh, you know, in October, I think that affects the, the way they play the rest of the season. They play at Western Kentucky, and I already think they're going to be good. Uh, they host Rice. I think Rice is going to be pretty good. So uh, that's tough. Uh, at Louisiana Tech, they're always tough in Ruston, especially. Um, and then I think the only upset, I just I felt like it was just going to happen. Like I said, I'm a little down on Marshall. I think they beat Marshall at home, so I'm going to call it that. And then I think Old Dominion is not good, so uh, I think they went out. And that's roughly 6-6 six and six there. I don't know that what that means exactly for head-to-head tiebreakers and all the other stuff. Again, I'm just trying to get a sense of this team. How good do I, do I think they are? I think six and six, you know, is about right. That would put them somewhere in the middle of conference, um, you know, middle of division. I don't think it's a terrible season. You go bowling, you kind of build on that. I think that's good. Um, you know, like nobody feels like anybody takes a step back there. So, you know, I like that for them. You know, uh, let's let's move on. I did that thing where I, I lost my place. Let me go to uh, Middle Tennessee. Where did I put my notes on Middle Tennessee? You know, I respect Rick Stock still. Uh, you know, he's done a lot for for Murfreesboro. I hear he's a great guy over there. You know, donates to a lot of causes, that kind of thing. But that program, it hasn't been good since uh, Kid Stock left the QB position. Um, you know, he was asked you know kind of to reflect on last year's struggles and like uh the acrimonious parting of ways with um uh tony franklin right he's the offensive coordinator and he's like i'm just looking forward i'm a forward thinker you know i don't dwell in the past that kind of thing and it's very evasive there and but i understand it i mean it's not much to gain talking about that i mean it's talking season it's about looking forward and being uh you know positive so i get that you know i didn't really think we're going to get too much else there. Um, he says they're going to handle COVID. I mean, he was kind of accused of not taking the whole thing as seriously as he should by Tony Franklin. But the fact remains is that this squad is, I don't know that they're good now. They have a lot of returning guys. Was that 10 on defense, 10 on offense, or something like that? The big question mark is the quarterback, right? Ash O'Hara left, and so you're like, okay, well, let's, Let's see who we got. Who's going to come in? Who's going to be the guy? Um, you know, they like their – their um, right now you can see me scanning. I'm trying to figure out who it's going to be. It's the NC State dude. Is that here, right? Is it Hockman? Yeah. Sorry. Too many names. Too many names to remember in this two days. I was at 14 teams, and everybody has like 100 guys on the roster. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, yeah, so Hockman stepping in. 
they like what he has. And the, again, the idea is like, well, we got a P5 type dude. He's going to come in, do P5 type, type things for us. Problem is everybody has a P5 guy. Everybody has a senior. A lot of these teams have super seniors, right? So experience, talent, all that stuff. Everybody has it. It's kind of a wash. I think the only one that maybe, and we'll talk about them a little bit later, is UAB. There may be the extreme version of that. Um, and to the chagrin of everybody. No, chagrin just means regret in French, in case you didn't know. Uh, chagrin. Um, yeah, I, looking at their schedule, I see maybe a win. And that's the opener against Monmouth. I don't really see them sneaking up and beating everybody, even though last year they beat a terrible FIU. Uh, North Texas is bad, but they got blown out because they, they had no offense, right? They they jumped out kind of early, but North Texas just destroyed them. Their defense was terrible. North Texas ran all the way through them, uh, and then they, they couldn't score on North Texas' defense, you know, just about the worst uh, defense in the nation. So gives you a sense of what, you know, Middle Tennessee was. Yes, they had a few guys opt out last year. Yes, they got more transfers in this year, but – Getting them guys to gel, getting everybody to, you know, pull together, that's going to be tough. Um, I mean, you want to give Stockstill a little benefit of the doubt. He's been there in 15 years, right? He's won 94 games. Uh, he's won a lot of games and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff. They, they've pulled through in seasons where you're like, I don't know how good they are, right? The, the championship game appearance um, a couple seasons ago, I, I was down on them that year, but they snuck in. Problem was, I think it was largely to the, the strength of uh, Kid Stockstill. Now, he's a, I think he's a receivers coach, right? Um, so maybe he brings a little bit of that magic back. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but we'll, we'll pause talking about Middle Tennessee right now because I don't think there's a whole lot that, um, that a good portion of everybody cares about. So FIU, let's talk about them. I think this one is another situation where I could see it going – Either way, and I didn't get you know I didn't get far enough to start sketching out what I thought their schedule was going to look like, so I don't have a comparable. Here's what I think is going to happen with them, uh, and that's on me. So you know I'll take full responsibility for that, guys. Uh, I also didn't get a chance to interview Butch Davis directly. I had previous engagement, but I'll say this: um, he's underperformed, right? You brought him in to do a little bit of a Lane Kiffin type thing, right? He came in at the same time. Lane Kiffin won two championships and won every head-to-head against FIU. That's it. That, at the end of the day, that's what you're paying this guy to do. Yes, to revive the program, but definitely to beat your rivals, right, the FAU game, and then definitely to compete seriously for a championship. They had it in their grasp. They lost the late game. They thought, okay, we're going to come back and do really good things. They didn't. They came back uh, and had a terrible season. Last year, uh, and then and then last year, 0-5 and, and 0-3, and right? The only thing that saved that terrible season a couple seasons ago was that they beat Miami, so cool. Um, that maybe saved everybody's bacon, maybe. Last year, 0-5, and 0-3, and they basically were an afterthought. A lot of that was because of COVID, so we can't read too much into them because of that. A lot of returning guys, 9 on defense, 7 on offense. Uh, was it Bortenschlager? He's the dude. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. It's very difficult to get a read on the Panthers. I'll say that Butch Davis is a good evaluator of quarterbacks. I mean, he had, uh, yeah, I forget their name now, but he had a couple guys, and, you know, everybody's like, well, this guy's going to be the card. And then he turns out to be beat out Mason Fine for, like, a quarterback award. I forget what it was. Point is, 
You can't count out Butch Davis. He knows how to coach football. However, he has underperformed, and, um, you know, ain't no way around it. You brought him in, big-name guy, to win games, not to uh, do an almost one or could have been or let's play, uh, let's play compare excuses, you know? All right, let's get down to it. The last team, as is everybody, right? Last team, Old Dominion, the Monarchs. Uh, everybody remembers last season, right? When they didn't play. They opted out smartly. Not, I don't know. Nobody got COVID, right, from uh, not playing. So that worked. They didn't have any games canceled because they had all the games canceled. Um, 2019, not good, right? Coaches fired. They do beat Norfolk State. That 1-11 season basically got Bobby Wilder canned. And I like Bobby Wilder. He was, uh, he was high on my rankings of guys to talk to. Uh, he's fun, you know, easy quote, fun to talk to. Ricky Ronnie, not so easy. He's a little stiff. He's kind of, oh, you know what, just my big on opening statements, so I'm just going to. Understandable. It's like his first go around as a head coach. Um, you know, it's kind of a weird situation. So I get it. Uh, but he just, you know, fact remains, he's not really, not really easy to talk to in that circumstance. All that said, uh, a lot of young guys, a lot of new faces. It's basically like they're starting a program over, which may be good. I don't know. It, Bobby Wilder did a tough job. Right, and he got this team to ten wins, I believe it was. Right, he got a bowl game appearance, and did they win that one? I forget now. Um, Old Dominion looked like they were doing, you know, they were just ready for the next step. They had the new stadium coming. Um, everything seemed lined up. They had talent. They even had some NFL talent, and then they just couldn't win. Um, you know, they they tried to go all in on a young quarterback, a young young quarterback. He was like eighteen. That didn't work out. Um, you know, one thing led to another. You know, injuries, uh, just underperforming, all ate up um, the potential. And then when it was time to actually rebuild, they were like, okay, let's get some transfers in here. Let's try to do that. That didn't work out. You had a 111 season. Okay, that was it. Ricky Ronnie comes in, you know, having been in successful programs previously. You know, what was it? Uh, yeah, Penn State, right? Like, okay, well, what do you have? We don't know. I, I don't know what this team's going to be. It's a very tough situation. It reminds me a little bit of that Old Dominion, but just with a lot better recruiting profile, right? I mean, what did I say? Old Dominion, <laughs> UTEP, but with a lot better recruiting profile. It's just that you just kind of have to start at the beginning. And, you know, so this season's going to be sort of a wash. I don't – I wouldn't be surprised if they got an upset here or there. I just don't know who that comes against, right? You've got Wake Forest, Hampton, Liberty, Buffalo – at UTEP, maybe you can beat UTEP, but UTEP's supposed to be better. Uh, we'll talk about them later on, but Demos he likes their depth now. Um, you go to Marshall. You know, I think Marshall's going to be in a down year, but you go to Marshall. That's tough. Um, you play Western Kentucky at home, so maybe that one. Maybe, you know, there's like a little bit of a home cook in there. Uh, you have Tech at home. It's tough to travel to the East Coast, so maybe, you know, you know Tech's trying to – meld a team together so maybe that's a, a sneaky win you get florida atlantic at home but you know that's not a east west trip they're just going north so i don't really see it uh you travel to middle tennessee again it's tough i don't think middle tennessee is going to be great but then you're traveling you know you're just going to be on the road with a young team and then you have charlotte at home again same kind of deal um i just don't think they have the tools to beat a charlotte which i think is going to be pretty good but you never know right that's the fun of college football 
Uh, I don't really expect them to compete for the East title. They'll maybe muck some things up and cause some problems. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's basically the rough estimate of the East. Uh, again, number one, probably FAU. I think they're going to win this thing. Um, I think Marshall's probably going to have a down year, but I could see either of them just like trading places maybe comes down to a couple games at the end of the season or who played who or what team lost to a common opponent, something like that. Look out for Western Kentucky. I think that offense is going to be really good. At the very least, it'll be fun, you know, and so maybe just fun to watch. That's a squad you, you kind of pull up if your favorite team is, is not playing at that hour. Um, or, you know, when you just want to go watch something else, go watch Bailey's Abbey throw for 500 yards because I think you will, at least in one one game. Charlotte, always fun, clever on offense. Uh, I like to watch them. Um, I think they've got more talent in so, so they can turn some of that scheme into, you know, execution. Uh, when they had that running back a couple seasons ago, I thought they did. I forget his name now. But you can kind of see, like, wow, that put him in position – to do some amazing things, and that's kind of what they want to do. They just need more talent in there. And they're a little bit more talented now. So, again, Middle Tennessee, I like their guys. I mean, you kind of want to be friends with everybody on Middle Tennessee, but I don't think they're going to be that good. Um, FIU, they could be, you know what, FIU was just sort of an unknown to me. They just got so much talent, and I believe in Butch Davis as a coach. I could see them just all of a sudden beating everybody, and I'm like, well, unsurprising. But I could also see them having another terrible season. Um, there you go. That's how I see that. Uh, so yeah, let's talk West Division. <sighs> you look at UAB; they are just really good. I I have it like UAB, probably a Tech, maybe a Southern Miss, then a UTSA. I just don't think that UTSA is that good. And um, but yeah, I could easily see them becoming really good. Uh, I just kind of think they're going to get bit here and there. And maybe they, they, I'll explain that a little bit. But then basically this Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, even North Texas kind of middle could be anything. And I'll talk about that. Why They basically just have one major question they need to ask in. And so whether or not they're good or whether or not they're able to answer that question well will, will tell us whether or not this team is going to be good. And I'll just kind of you know unlock everything else. Um, I don't think that UTEP is going to do a whole lot. I think Rice could be very good, and a lot depends, again, on, on like one or two specific questions. So let's get into it, right? Let's talk. Um, yeah, where am I? What I? Where will I start? I will start at the beginning. Uh, UAB, the Blazers. Uh, Bill Clark is excited. He's he's just a good coach, right? Um, you know, and part of being a coach is recruiting and, and roster management. And uh, I think the rest of the conference doesn't like that he's, you know, um, that he <laughs> early in the one they're like, well, if I could, if I could recruit twenty five, twenty six year old players out there without, uh, you know, worried about their grades, I would be good too. Said a lot of coaches, that kind of thing. And they didn't maybe say it, but they kind of hinted at it, right? Um, so they were holding that against him. And then he kind of has the same situation now. He has twelve, what do you call it, super seniors coming back and um you know th these are the guys that, that decided to come back instead of graduating or transferring elsewhere and everybody about their senior super senior said well just you know um 
evidence that our program's really good, and just, you know, it, it just talks about what we're building here, that these guys deserve credit to them and to us and to our program. They want to stay around, loyal to their teammates, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, so um, what did I ask him that I thought was interesting? I'm looking here. Uh, well, one thing that he had said, right, I think after the win, was like, the next step is, you know, we, we've won championships. The next step is for the community to support us, right? Come out to the games, donate, put some, you know, get your name on a wall, that kind of thing. He said he feels like, yeah, the community has supported the team. Um, you know, like the stadium is great. Uh, we're not going to have any excuses about Logan like we did the past couple seasons, even though, uh, what do you say, that we led the league in attendance and, we had, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but now we got a great stadium. Now we got a great place to come play. And so he's excited about that, and he feels like the, the community, Birmingham, can take the next step in supporting this team and, you know, maybe just more success, right? Alabama kind of kind of deal. Um, you know, I, I think a couple of things indicate that this team is going to be good still, even though they won, right? And those things are the fact that they didn't get to play in a bowl game, so a couple guys came back playing a bowl game. Um, was it Kobe Raglan was saying that you know he didn't even get to play in the championship game. Right? He was out for COVID protocols. Uh, that the whole apartment complex he lived in was they knew that they won the championship because he was going crazy. Um, but I think there's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. We didn't get to play for in a bowl game. We didn't get to kind of show what we had there. And then also this is the thing. I didn't know anybody was handing out asterisks for 2020 seasons, but uh, Kobe Raglan was like, yeah, you know, some people were saying it's a, you know, it's a should be an asterisk. No, I think it should be an exclamation point because of all the things we had to deal with, right? All the whatever. Um, so I thought that was interesting. It, it indicates that these guys have a little motivation to get better, right? They, they didn't feel like, yeah, we're just going to run it back, win it again. But they're like, no, no. We deserved it. We won it, and we're going to show you why we deserved it and why we won it. So that's those are the indicators. Second thing, they got a lot of talent, a lot of returning talent. Um, what is it, nine on defense, seven on offense. Uh, and yeah, they're losing some wide receivers, but I mean Shropshire balled out in the in the in the title game. Um, you know their whole offensive line is coming back, and that's a big part of what they do. They have again Tyler Johnson the third. They got Bryson Lucero, a couple guys that played. Johnson the third was was huge when it mattered against Rice. Huge when it mattered against Marshall. And that's all you need. If, if I have a criticism of this team, I've tweeted about it and gotten some flack here and there. It's been that, yeah, they can't throw the ball, right? They're, what are they, ninth in passing last year? And, you know, everybody's like, well, we don't need them. It also makes games a lot closer than they need to be. And also, I think that's, that prevents them from taking the next, next step and beating a Miami, right? Or uh, who else they lose to? Maybe beating a Louisiana, that kind of thing. Um, as it is, you travel to Georgia, uh, you play Jacksonville State in Montgomery. Um, at North Texas, at Tulane, home against Liberty, which is going to be good. Uh, they're pretty good. Um, Florida Atlantic, at Southern Miss, which is always tough to travel over there. Um, you know, Rice, Louisiana Tech, at Marshall, at UTSA, tough games. And then UTEP. I sketched it out. I can see a 9-3 and three season. You know, it's kind of pending, you know, the, the conference uh, title game. But nine, I can see nine and three easily. Just you know, I'm like, all right, maybe we lose at Tulane. Definitely, probably you know, the Georgia game, mark that one as a loss. I even threw in just because I'm like playing Louisiana Tech. I just feel like it's kind of a rivalry. I don't know. Maybe they lose that one, right? One of those unexplainable kind of games. Um, 
And they did lose to him last year, right? But if it's not Louisiana Tech, maybe it's the UTSA one. I don't know. It's one of those two, that kind of thing. Um, I still think they won the division, and even just by kind of by default, if you say they did that last year, they were just good. They were a good squad, and when they were not good, you know, that, that Louisiana Tech loss was tough, and they kind of put them in a weird spot. And I know if you're a UTSA fan, you're like, well, we should have been in there, whatever. They're a good team. They're a deserving team. They're a deserving championship uh, champion. They're just they're very good. Their defense is uh, excellent, um, and their offense was timely, which is huge, right? Um, they played at Rice. And Rice gave them a good game. Uh, they played at Rice with like freshmen and you know, walk-ons, and they won. They pulled out a huge win. Got some huge plays from from important guys, um, and then you know went to Marshall, beat Marshall at Marshall, right? Huge, huge. Um, give them all the credit. I certainly don't give them an asterisk by that season, but I, I think that they're going to come back and kind of do it again. A lot of talent, right? Just very deep. And again, as we saw against Rice, you, you can't really, you know, win with backups and, and freshmen and things if you don't have talent, right? Drinking my juice. Um, is there anything more to say about uh, UAB? I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about a favorite. Oh, they're sure going to be good. Let me tell you what. Uh, let's let's move over to UTSA. A lot of accolades. A lot of big time talk about these guys. They're going to be good. 10 on offense, 11 on defense, like basically everybody. Uh, the whole team is coming back. Um, I feel like, and, and Jeff Trailer kind of addressed this a little bit. He said, you know, that they what, don't eat the cheese. That's what, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Sincere McCormick was saying, right? Or is that Rashad Wisdom? I forget exactly what we were saying. But they were saying that Jeff Trailer says it. Don't eat the cheese. Uh, everybody loves you right now. But Trailer said, you know, you look at it. Yeah, we went 7-5, and 5-2 five, five and two in a conference. But there was a couple games where they were just right there, you know. Um, Middle Tennessee won 37-35. Uh, Louisiana Tech, 27-26. Uh, Southern Miss twenty three twenty, right? It just the line's very thin. But on the other hand, I think that kind of is an indicator that you're gonna win. You know, you kind of get better. Sometimes you get lucky, and that's fine, right? You don't ever apologize for being lucky. But whether or not you learn from that luck, like, hey, what put us in a position to almost lose, right? Like, let's clean that up and get better. Those that's the next step. Those are the next steps. Well, even also that 51-48 game against Texas State. Just a lot of stuff where you're just like, man, we're just right there. But uh, a lot of good teams, teams that got two championship games, haven't been in those situations. You need a little bit of luck to win anything. So I don't think they apologize for that. Um, I think you got to look at the passing game, and a lot of it comes down to whether or not Frank Harris can do anything. Uh, not that he's not talented. He's a talented dude. It's just that he's injured a lot his whole career has been defined by injury um you know they they've had to dip they've had like the worst qb luck um you know fourth and scoring second and rushing right behind sincere mccormick who said he got faster you know got lighter and faster he says frank harris says he's still faster than him though um but the pass game was like, like sub 200 yards a game a lot of that didn't really need it because they just run the ball and they can just kind of run forever give the ball to mccormick and let him let him ride but you're gonna need. It's very much like you, like UAB. You need 
a passing game to take those next extra steps, right? Even you look at UAB. They won against Rice because of some clutch passes late. They won against Marshall because Shropshire had 180, right, receiving. That's what you need to win. Who's going to do that for UTSA? Uh, is it Franklin? Uh, Joshua Cephas? You know, uh, who's the other guys they have on the roster? Uh, the Ogle Kellogg? Got a lot of dudes. Got a lot of talented guys that they got under uh, um, the previous head coach. Name evades me right now. Um, but can they execute? That's really what it comes down to. Right? That's the big question. Um, a lot of talent. What are they going to do with it? Are they buying? Are they reading their own stories? Are they reading their own press clippings? Uh, are they, you know, just uh, more concerned about how many watch lists are on? Or are they, you know, studying the playbook, doing the things that they need to do, right? Uh, they open at Illinois, uh, take on Lamar. Middle Tennessee, just uh, let's just go down, right? Illinois, probably a loss. Uh, Lamar win, Middle Tennessee win. Uh, at Memphis, uh, where's my pen? I lost my pen. I should write this down, you know, guys. Let me see. Got my pen. I got it. I'm gonna do this right now so I don't forget what I said. What did I do? I feel like Jim Rome, you know, messing with pages, right? You hear that? Uh, all right, what is it? Illinois, uh, loss. Don't tell me this pin doesn't work. I don't think this pin doesn't work. Uh, Lamar, let's call that a win. Middle Tennessee, win. Uh, Memphis, L. Uh, you got a UNLV, let's call that a win. At Western Kentucky, that's basically what it comes down to, right? Do we think Western Kentucky's good? Do we think they're bad? I think I sketched out of West Kentucky. So I'm moving on over here. You know, this is all thrilling, thrilling podcastery right here as I go through my notes. I, I said I said West Kentucky is going to beat UTSA. I already called it, guys. So let me uh, update my stuff here. West Kentucky. I'm calling that a loss. Uh, you got a Rice. I think you could beat Rice. That's going to be a tough one. That's at home. Rice can give you a game. That can really go either way. And then at Louisiana Tech, loss. Louisiana Tech is good at home. At UTEP. UTEP is weird at home. But I'm going to call that a win. Um, and then let's go UAB at home. Loss. And uh, at North Texas. I think you can beat North Texas at North Texas. So what is that? One, two, three. Four, five, six, six wins. Is it like six and six? I think that's reasonable. I don't think I'm being. Uh, I don't think I'm being rough on them at all. Uh, did I say? Yeah, I was looking back at this UAB sketch out that I did here. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can swap either of those, right? The North Texas one. I mean, uh, not North Texas. Uh, the UAB one at the end of the season. Like maybe they win that one. Maybe they beat UAB. Uh, but or maybe they beat Louisiana Tech, but I think they drop another one. I just I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't have the I don't have the feel. I don't have the good feelings that everybody else has. I think a lot of it just because I feel like everybody's like like man, they're so good, they're so amazing. And then I'm trying to think back on what I saw outside of Sincere McCormick that was like this is really good. Um, some things I did like about the program, they seem prepared, right? They never seem like they're out schemed or something. They seem like they know what they're doing, and that's all good, right? 
I felt like they had a lot more talent than I think was evident in the way they played. I feel like they didn't really deploy it the way I expected to see all the time. That said, they're going to get a lot of talent in there because Trailer is plugged into Texas football, uh, Texas high school football. And, uh, you know, I think they're just always going to have some talent there. Um, and that talent ends up coming at the expense of, like, a UTEP, by the way. Um, let's talk about Tech. Because I think they're good. I, I respect that program, Louisiana Tech. And I know everybody's like, oh, Louisiana Tech. Yeah, there's a lot of strong feelings about Louisiana Tech, either for or against. Right? Um, but, you know, I was talking to Skip Holtz today. I, I was like, hey, look. I was looking back at it. They've just been so consistent, right? In this league, it basically is kind of hit or miss, right? Um, like, you're really good. Like, you look at North Texas, right? They were good under Mason Fine competing, but then they just kind of hit a wall, and then they were very bad. And then last year, they were just awful defensively. UTEP has some down seasons, but, you know, like, they went 5-5, five and five, and everybody's like, well, that was a bad year. Four and two in the conference, but they were there. They were in the conversation. Nobody ever felt like this team was not good enough um, because, you know, Skip Holtz didn't recruit well enough. They had injuries. They had offensive line injuries here and there. Um, they had, you know, COVID-related things happening. They just always have talent. Lots of talent, some NFL talent. They just got guys all the time. They know how to identify talent. Um, you know, they know how to win. They're always winning over there, even if it's not enough. To uh, you know, to satisfy every fan, every bulldog fan, um, they're passionate. They, I think, eventually, if Skip Holtz gets run out of town, it's because he didn't win enough. But they win a lot. Um, so all that said, I, I'm always kind of bullish on Louisiana Tech for those reasons. And again, scanning the roster, uh, a lot of guys coming back defensively. Um, you know, uh, offensively, they're getting some new guys in. And what did he say? Fifteen. Is that 15 new guys? And the question, right? I alluded to this earlier. Everybody has a question. Uh, just going back, the UTSA question is like, um, you know, can they play with expectations? People are coming for them. Nobody's taking them unseriously now. It's, it's looking at them like, this is going to be a good game. Can they meet those expectations? I thought the previous coaching staff, then they had expectations. They didn't play well under those expectations. They kind of folded. Um, so that's a question. Here, Louisiana Tech. Uh, stated question by the head man himself is, uh, it's not about how well we can mesh in our scheme, but how well everybody can play, like, you know, meld together to be a team. Right? 15 new guys are looking at our leaders, and, you know, he named the two guys with him, uh, um, Isaiah Graham, Trey Baldwin, as dudes that can help lead the new guys, show them how it's done, becoming a program. And I'm, again, I'm bullish on this, right? They've, they've, integrated transfers well previously in previous seasons right um so even at the quarterback position something that they want to do here right they want uh was it austin kendall big get from western uh western virginia west virginia um and he was like selling pharmaceuticals something like that i forget exactly how i got there it's crazy um but he quit his job like, i'm gonna go back to college um luke anthony uh you know he got injured the devastating injury in um late in the season his recovery is not going as well as they want. Apparently, he had to have a, a scope. And so they say, you know what? Let's, you know, go against the plan. The original plan was to not get a new guy, he says, uh, a new quarterback. But let's do it. Let's get a new quarterback and see what we got. Monitoring the transfer situation. They got Austin Kendall in. He's been playing well. Uh, you think like Driscoll, right, Jeff? Jake? Jeff? 
Driscoll. I forget there's a bunch of Driscolls. Um, even like Cody Sokol way back, sort of in the day there. They've been able to get guys into Ruston, have them had success. Even they're really good at getting integrating transfers. So while everybody is doing that now, I don't know that everybody has like the institutional knowledge of how to do it well. Um, and you know, again, I was I was kind of asking Skip like, so how do you maintain this kind of program, right? And he was kind of he had a lot of talking points, like do it fundamentally, socially, uh, you know, educationally, just basically do a good job building the program. He's like, I came in here to build a program. I could have taken. 40 transfers, and we say we're going to win one season. But that's not it. It's paying attention to roster management, paying attention to details is how we maintain a program, how we stay competitive, have had good players, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, whatever you, you want to quibble with losing a tech, say, oh, he ain't winning enough for me. I'd have fired him. Cool. But he's won a lot, a lot more than anybody else, uh, you know, in this conference. Um, so I, I like Louisiana Tech a lot. I just I feel like – Last year, they suffered a lot because of COVID, and we didn't get to see the full potential of this program. Again, they're just always good. And like any team in football nowadays, if you have a quarterback that can do, you're going to be okay. You're just, that's that's 90% of the battle almost. And um, whether that's Luke Anthony, a guy that played there and had success and did some good things for them, or it's a uh, you know Austin Kendall guy that did something at a P5 level successfully right at uh, uh, at Western Kentucky. And they also got in the dude is that Marcus Williams Jr. Um, at Appalachian State. I think he ran all over North Texas. I just remember that name. Uh, he kind of stood out. So again, they get quality guys, guys that can do it. Um, sort of, play. it's not really plug and play, but they have a plan, a plan that I think that has had success in the past. So I, I really can't count out Louisiana Tech. Do I think they're better than UAB? No. On the day, on a day, can they be UAB? Yes. Right? They do travel over there. Might be a big game. I don't know. Football's a funny game, right? Anybody can win that kind of thing. And that could change the whole whatever. UAB, for all its talent and everything, they're not infallible. You know, I kind of talked about their weaknesses, right? Even the seasons that they just kind of dominated, sort of dominated. There have been a couple games where you're like, mm, they could have lost that one. That was a close one. Um, you know, they beat Marshall. They whooped Marshall for a large portion of that game. But Marshall had a chance to win late. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't 55 nothing, guys. UAB can be beaten, right? So um, could Tech win this league? Yes. Very, they, they're, I don't want to say a dark horse, but they're in that second tier. It's like UAB, um, Florida Atlantic, a little bit Marshall, a little bit UTSA, and then you're like, well, you know, West Kentucky, if they can score, you know, the way we think they're going to score and they can maintain that defense, they can be right in there. Uh, Louisiana Tech, hey, if they can mesh with these guys, Austin Kendall has a season, they'd be right there. And same thing for this Southern Miss squad, which, again, they, j they just always have talent. Got Frank Gore. He can score from anywhere. He can uh, shake you out your boots. Um, yeah, he's... They, I say, looking. I'm looking at their wide receivers again. Uh, Brownlee, Antoine Robinson. They have a lot of guys. Question is always, always the quarterback. And I don't know, right? Will Hall. He's enthusiastic. I think I like this quote today, saying, "You know, we we know that we're in the South, and that football is important in the South. Like, we make it that way. We just acknowledge it's going to be that way, and we know that if we win and take it seriously. That you know we're going to have good in our community. That kind of thing." So, 
you know, I I think that's the right kind of attitude to have. He has the energy and enthusiasm that maybe Jay Hobson didn't, right? Uh, in my experiences with Hobson, who was, you know, an accomplished coach, he, he did some things. You know, I don't know all of his quibbles with the administration and whoever. He was a little surly, right? Maybe not as enthusiastic as he needed to be. And then he also made some questionable hiring attempts, right? Some Will Hall, he's out here saying the right things. We'll see if they do the right things. Um, a lot of turmoil for this team, right? They went through like two coaches, uh, three coaching staffs, right? Because they had three head coaches. An interim, that guy left for Austin P or whatever. Then they had another one. Uh, so Will Hall, his job is to come in there and kind of settle things um, and then, you know, take advantage of the offensive talent they have. Under Hobson, whatever you want to say about him, uh, they had some decent offenses in there. They were always looking for a quarterback, always looking for a guy that was going to do it for him. Even last year's guy, um, his name escapes me now too, even that dude, um, he was kind of a turnover machine. So we'll see. I don't know that they have a quarterback that's going to definitely do it. Uh, and please don't tweet at me and tell me, no, no, I believe in Trey Lowe. He's going to be so amazing when I've seen him in practice. We'll see it in the game, right? We'll see what happens when it comes down. Uh, to crunch time when you have to, you know, make a pass and one of UAB's gigantic defensive linemen is, is about to hit you. That's when it matters, not again, not in practice, not in high school. Right. So we'll see. Um, I think everybody has them about mid mid range, um, not really winning a whole lot. I'm not gonna do the same thing because I was kind of terrible. My pen half worked. So I'll just take a quick glance on here. You play at Alabama. I think that can go two ways. You can get hurt, <laughs> your pride hurt, you're physically hurt, right? Or you can say, you know what, that's a team that's really good, and they show what you know, what we need to be like, and it helps you step up uh, to the next level. But in Conference USA, I think you can beat Rice at Rice. It really just depends on how good your offense is, how good you are defensively. This team has always had the talent to do it. Is, was, will the game planning be there? Will Austin Armstrong be able to communicate his ideas? Will be they be able to motivate these guys to execute those ideas? That's a question. A lot of, lot of questions there, but they have the materials, the raw materials. Southern Miss, is just, I feel like they're just always talented. Um, you know, th I think there's been stories written about, like, the lack of investment, that kind of thing. I don't know that they've had the energy in that area. They've had some really good players, but they haven't really won at the level that I feel like they need to, but... You look at, like, what, San Francisco 49ers. They have a bunch of uh, Golden Eagles on that squad. They're good. So uh, can't count them out. I like Southern Miss. I, I don't know that they win anything this year, but I think they're going to be in the conversation. They're going to knock some people off. And you're like, man, I can't believe we lost Southern Miss. And you're going to look up. I'm like, how are they second? Um, let's talk North Texas. Now, I, I was trying to figure out the best way to ask Seth Luttrell. Like, dude, what's up with these defensive coordinators, man? You can't just – I don't know how often you can go up to, like, the AD and be like, hey, man, I know we had the worst defense in the league, but I just think it's – we're just one good defensive coordinator higher away. So I'm going to fire this guy. I'm going to bring in some other ones. I don't know how many how often you can do that. So this is basically it, right? Um, I didn't have any issues with um, Troy Reffitt a couple seasons ago. I thought basically they were like, we're going to be aggressive – put our corners on islands, and then live or die with that. And then the seasons where those corners were able to do that, they had success. And then the seasons where the corners were struggling, they didn't. 
and that was kind of it. Um, and then, you know, whether or not they were able to get to the quarterback kind of determined whether or not those corners had some success and whatever. Um, when you bring a lot of pressure, you can look like an idiot, right? Like, wow, all that pressure, now a guy's running wide open or a guy's got beat one-on-one, now he looks like he's the only problem. It's not necessarily the case. So um, I felt like it was maybe a bit premature to fire him and then bring in the next guy. Maybe a guy with not uh, an impressive resume, so I was a little unsurprised that Clint Bowen was bad, and he was very bad. So I I try to get to ask self-control, and it's kind of difficult. And, again, in the the venue, be like, hey, man, why were they bad? But it was basically like, look, three DCs in three years, obviously not ideal. How have you changed the way you evaluate, you know, your staff and whatever? He basically said the same thing. And what I took away from it um, was that just basically those guys didn't do a good job teaching the scheme uh, to the way they need to be taught, right? So, whatever. Phil Bennett, a lot of people uh, praising him so far. Um, you know, he's going to a four-man front. He asked Dion Noville, their big defensive tackle, to kind of slim down a bit. And, you know, um, I read something interesting about um, uh, Bill Belichick just kind of, you know, in terms of scheme, like – one way that he was able to find a lot of talent, you know, for his roster was looking at what everybody's playing. He's like, man, everybody's playing four line, four down linemen. I'm going to go to 3-4 defense. There's only like three other teams, so there's going to be plenty of dudes that can fit my scheme, right? I'm going to get these guys kind of cheap um, and then, you know, be great. Now he's looking like everybody's playing uh, basically base nickel. Like, where's the inefficiency, right? So everybody used to play. Uh, you know, four down linemen, maybe a three-four scheme, and then now everybody's playing like a three-three-five. You know, whatever. I, it's all very multiple. Um, a lot of it just kind of depends on what, how you want to attack gaps. Like, do you want them to, your linemen to, you know, be a two-gap guy or a one-gap guy? A lot of programs have three linemen, but they still are one-gap dudes, and so that's not too different, like from your traditional four-three. All that said, um, Phil Bennett is a known teacher he's had some pretty decent um defenses he also you know a lot of that was at baylor he had some struggle years there at baylor um you know north texas doesn't need to be a juggernaut defensively they need to not be the worst defense in the nation i think for for mean green nation i wrote i don't have the numbers here but i looked at it and like five or six dudes had career days against clint bones defense um and, and like including Sincere McCormick and um, not quite the dude, what I say, Marcus Williams from Appalachian State, but Mark, he got an 80-yard run in the bowl game, called back. Uh, and then the next play, an 80-yard run. So um, just kind of ridiculous by that squad. If they cannot be as bad <laughs> as that, then I think that North Texas is going to be something to worry about, right? Because even on the other side, I think there's a lot of impression like, well – they were just bad all around, right? Their offense is not good. They were kind of pulling quarterbacks here and there. But, yeah, but the combined duo of Austin Ani and um, Jason Bean was, like, the best quarterback in the in the league, right, including, you know, Grant Wells. Uh, Ani's coming back. He has some issues. He's supposed to be the guy, but it's still an open competition with uh, Jace Reuter, a North Carolina transfer. I mean, Reuter is talented, but he didn't really play so much. Um Austin Ani played a lot, and, you know, he's younger. I expect that we'll see Ani early, but Seth Luttrell is not afraid to, to swap quarterbacks. 
Um, you know, I think famously, everybody remembers Mason Fine basically started all four seasons. Um, I can't even remember the guy's name, but North Texas recruited to start South Luttrell's uh, era. Uh, a guy from Alabama, you know, he was originally from like Dallas. I think he was from like Allen, right? They recruited him, and then he got benched. And, you know, freshman Mason Fine jumped in there and basically won the job for most of the year. Uh, the dude, I can't remember his name right now, but he, he ended up winning the, the thing in the bowl game, the, the starting job. Had a good game in the bowl game, by the way. Anyway, if North Texas can, yeah, I mean, they were number one in basically every category offensively. If they can do a lot of what they did there and play some defense, they allowed like 42 points a game. Ridiculous. Uh, they were just the worst everywhere um, defensively. If they can not be as bad, they are somebody to worry about. Uh, last year, I thought it was going to be flipped. I thought their offense was going to struggle because they had like a new quarterback, right? Jason Bean stepping into that role. And I thought the defense was going to be good because they had a lot of returning guys. Um, and, you know, they kind of were going to uh, improve in that way. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen. I think that definitely points to the coach, but then that also points to the head coach. Um, as good as he and his staff are at evaluating offensive talent and identifying offensive trends, that kind of thing, I think they have been as bad defensively. Uh, again, three defensive coordinators, three seasons, non-good. So that's a big question. Will Phil Bennett be the salve that's going to heal him? I don't know. That, that's... I don't know. It's kind of hard to trust South Central in that in that area and be like, "Yeah, I'll take your word for it. This guy is going to play the great defense, right?" Um, let's move on. Rice. <sighs> Rice is good. Are they? Maybe. Um, I like uh, I like Mike Bloomgren. He's he's a, he's a fun. He was a little stiff and kind of you know a little robotic when he first started. Um, in his role, but he's loosened up and kind of he's a lot more comfortable now. And he's he's real interesting when he gets going. Uh, new off offensive coordinator Marcus Tuiasosopo, a guy he coached, former quarterback. You remember him play for the Raiders. Um, what Bloomgren talked about was mostly his ability, uh, Marcus Tuiasosopo's ability, to bring his knowledge. Right, he played eight years in the NFL. He uh, is enthusiastic. He has lots of ideas. He coach he Learned under, like, John Gruden, North Turner, uh, and a bunch of other guys. Guys with, like, you know, uh, nice offensive resumes. And he's bringing that knowledge plus, you know, having played um, and, you know, just being kind of young and enthusiastic to this squad. And that, he thinks, is going to kind of help them take the next step. Um, they, they've been good. I, I like the way that Rice, you know, attacks teams they, they say we're going to run at you we're going to do our thing they've gotten you know as they've improved their depth right um you can see especially late last year right against marshall 20 nothing uh at marshall that was just a ridiculous kind of like hey look at us um and then nearly take beaten uab um were two things where you're just like man this we gotta take this rice squad seriously uh now uab was was down a handful of guys just a guy or two um, <laughs> uh, and, and so you have to understand that when you're looking at Rice. Um, and then also the fact that they still lost to, like, Middle Tennessee. They're close. They're not there yet. Is this, um, coaching change going to change everything? I don't know. 
A um, lot of guys back, uh, he talked about, uh, Bloomgren, I mean, talked about bringing everybody back along both lines. He, you know, football's all about the lines up front. He feels like that was, that's going to be key going forward. And, um, and um, you know, I don't know. I, I look at him, I always like what Rice is doing. I, I feel like the Rice basketball team, they're, they're kind of in the same situation. I'm like, I like a lot of what they're doing, but I can see how they don't win a whole lot of games. If, there's a lot of ifs, right? If uh, Marcus Tuiasasopo can turn around this offense and make them, um, you know, were they like eighth, like kind of lower half, lower lower top half of uh, of uh, the conference in, in a lot of stats, if you can bump them up to like fifth or sixth or something like that. They don't even need to be top of the league, but like fifth or sixth or something like that, which would say – that they're out there, they're scoring when they need to score, right? And they're putting points on the board, putting pressure on the opposing offense to catch up with them, allowing their defense to kind of do some things, right? Flipping the field, making putting it in their in their advantage, and then and then allowing them to like run the clock out, that kind of thing. If they can do that kind of thing, they'll be in good shape. And you know, I don't know that that's the case, but um, I could see it happening because they're getting closer. I what it mostly the way I'm like you know, vacillating here, is that I feel like I've been burnt by them a couple of times. I'm like, nah, Rice is going to be good. You got to look out for them. And then they start out 0-6. So um, I don't <laughs> I don't want to do that again. But I can see literally looking at Arkansas, Houston, at Texas, maybe not that one, uh, but like Texas Southern, Southern Miss, UTSA, any of those games, I can see them winning, and I would not be surprised. I'd be like, man, Rice went, uh, you know, they hosted North Texas, they whooped them. Or they went to UAB and, and beat them over there. I'd be like, hey, well, that's the way they play. They're good. You know, they're a tough, tough team. I would not be surprised by any of those things. But do I expect it? No. That's the that's the difference, I think. Um, they're there. They're right there. Uh, I think they need just one talented player to help, you know, flip them over. Somebody just like, um, you know, breaks runs when you don't expect them, that kind of thing. And I Probably needs to be an off a quarterback, right? That I'm thinking of. I don't know that they have that guy right now. Let me take a sip of this drink. Mmm, cranberry juice. Um, and let's talk about Utah. I like Danny Dumbo. He's a great conversation. He's a great quote. He'll give you an honest answer. Um, you know, I think somebody asked him today. Hey, looking at the schedule, it should be should set you up for some more wins. He's like, yeah. It's a little bit easier. Should win, but you know, and this is, I guess, where he he's smart here. Um, he's like, you got to prepare for all these. You're not just gonna be like, well, it's an easier game. I win. That all makes sense. The deal is, I don't know. I don't know how you win at Utah. Uh, I think the era of them getting some talent in there that, uh, like, kind of stockpiling and getting some some quality guys to build enough of a good team that you can surprise some people is over. Uh, with the ascension of like a Texas State, of a UTSA, into FBS football, it's taken some of the recruiting areas away. And I think Demos mentioned this. He was like, oh yeah, when I was at Kansas State, I used to come down and kind of recruit South Texas, some of, the, some of these areas that other squads are, are picking at now. So it's harder to recruit to Utah. For a lot of reasons, right? Like, UTEP doesn't really fit in culturally with the rest of Texas. Like, I mean, El Paso doesn't. It's a little bit more like New Mexico, a little bit more like the West Coast. 
Um, I think there's a lot of people that, like, that live in L.A. that have family in El Paso. So you don't really get the same kind of connection to like a Houston. So Houston has a lot of talent. You can't be like, hey, well, come out to El Paso. Because there's not a whole lot of cultural ties uh, going that way. Um, and then you're not really going to com- convince a whole lot of dudes from California, Southern California to come out to El Paso. So it's tough. It's a tough place to recruit to. And, you know, it has been that way. What they do and what they have done is, is kind of scout the the JUCO ranks, you know, guys that are kind of just happy to take an FBS shot, FBS spot, that have some talent. I think Demo mentioned a couple guys. Let me see if I wrote this down. I meant to, but I was also being uh, distracted by other things. Um, stupid Twitter. Um, he likes the depth. Uh, what do you say? Everybody's building camaraderie. Here's another thing. Everybody said, again, that the they had a great offseason, great whatever. And he was talking. He felt like everybody's strong. He was like, man, we, we can bench press a lot. We can power clean a lot. Strong team. Uh, but, yeah, they got a lot of Juco transfer transfers to shore up the defense, uh, including a Juco linebacker. Did he mention his name? Uh, I forget his name right now. But the guy out of uh, – is also a guy out of San Mateo. They have connections there. They like – some of these guys coming in and they're going to help them. Are they going to change their fortunes? I don't see it happening. They may be a little bit better. They might be a little bit more competitive. I don't know that they're going to go over again, but they ended the season on four straight losses and uh, even like a 43-45 game against North Texas. A team that's just asking to lose. Um, You know, you look at I don't know. You, you just look at this squad. It's tough. It's a tough situation. Dana Demo signed up for a long-term kind of project there. He's like, we're going to have to rebuild in a lot of different ways. I think they were very close that first season. They had a couple NFL guys. Um, was it Nick? Uh, was it Nick? Nick? Nick somebody? Played for the Dolphins or plays for the Dolphins right now. Cornerback. They were real good, and I think that maybe hurt them a little bit because uh, they were trying to get some Juco guys in to do some things. They got that quarterback that didn't quite work out for them. But they were right there, um, and maybe, you know, that just being close enough and not not fulfilling that promise hurt them ultimately. Because, uh, you know, I guess it's more important for me to, to explain what I'm thinking here. Despite what uh, uh, Skip Holt says, right, and maybe you can execute every time, I think you have, you know, kind of waves. You kind of build up a class. You have a really good squad, and then you had to rebuild it, restock it, reload it, whatever. So about every two, three seasons, you can be expected to really compete and challenge. And unfortunately, I think UTEP in Dana Demel's first season, he's down uh, year four, right? They were the most talented they were going to be. So he was expecting like a rebuild. They were a little bit better than they wanted, and then you had all these freshmen come in. And so they're, everybody was like, well, they were good. Now they should be better. Uh, no, then they kind of, you know, cratered a little bit as more new guys got in. Um, I think the El Paso uh, fan base is tired of losing out there. They've had seen lots of excuses. They've seen a lot of the same kind of things. They're not really enamored with this UTEP offense. Uh, I mean, they're like, what, eighth, ninth, that kind of thing. I don't know what they do well. There's not a whole lot of um, – I'm just thinking – what does UTEP do, right? You're like, well, you know, this team's going to throw it around. This team's going to run down your throat. UTEP's going to, I don't know, maybe do a quarterback run at you or something like that. 
they're not quite the Kansas State team that um, maybe pe- some team some people hoped that Dana Dimmel would turn them into, and I don't know what they are, and that's a problem, right? And that's basically yeah, they're not they're not good. <laughs> kind of a weird ending there, right? Um, I don't know what they are. But uh, that's basically Conference USA. That's a lot of talking. You can tell I'm kind of getting tired here. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's recap it all, right? I like Marshall. I like UAB. I like FAU a little bit more. I don't like UTSA as much as everybody else likes them. Um, and then Western Kentucky, I'm bullish on them. I'm a little bit excited to watch them play. Louisiana Tech, I don't know they're going to be exciting to watch play, but I think they're going to win just because they're hungry, they have talent, and um, you know they're going to be they're going to be good. Um, you know Charlotte, I always like watching them play because I like they have some clever things on offense. Southern Miss, I'm going to watch for Frank Gore. North Texas, uh, they're going to you know score a lot of points, but I don't know if they're going to stop anybody. I'm being very interested to see what Phil Bennett is able to do if 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 lots of ifs there uh fiu eesh, they'd be the worst team if it weren't for old dominion which is just young and kind of rebuilding i'm interested to see what like uh ricky money is going to bring there i expect we'll see a little glimpse here and there where we're like oh man that second quarter they really played hard everybody gave so-and-so a run for their money that kind of thing and then i expect uh you know like a rice to make some noise to be the team that they have been in the past couple seasons, which is tough, uh, where you'll find a lot of their opponents saying, man, that was a tough game, closer than I expected. Like, they did really great. Uh, that Rice team is tough. And then finally, uh, you know, UTEP. None good. That's basically it. That's basically it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm not going to pick any, like, preseason uh, whatever's uh but I do like Bailey Zappi. I think he's going to he's tough. He's unafraid. He's going to chuck it. And um you know, he has the experience to win so that when he chucks it it's not going to be an interception, you know what I mean? And he has the guys around him. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening and watching this clip, this whatever uh of Conference USA Report podcast uh you know, season preview, you know, Conference USA Media Days edition. Um, you know, we, we, we do this all the time. We will continue to do it. Go to conferenceusareport.com or tusareport.com, however you know it by. Uh, and then you can sign up. We, we're going to be member supported, that kind of thing. Um, you know, there'll be some, we try to do some free stuff, you know, so people can see what we're talking about, but also a lot of stuff's going to be paywalled. That's just the way it is, guys. And, um, thanks for listening.